0: Chapter 9, Part 3 of the General History of the Pirates, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Mackenzie. The General History of the Pirates, Volume 1 by Charles Johnson. Chapter 9, Part 3 Upon this coast our rovers cruised for about nine weeks, keeping generally out of sight of land but without seeing a sail, which discouraged them so, that they determined to leave the station, and steer for the West Indies, and in order thereto stood in to make the land for the taking of their departure, and thereby they fell in, unexpectedly, with a fleet of forty-two sail of Portuguese ships, off the bay of Los Todos Santos, with all their lading in for Lisbon, several of them of good force, who lay to waiting for two men of war of seventy guns each, their convoy. However, Roberts thought it should go hard with him, but he would make up his market among them, and thereupon mixed with the fleet, and kept his men hid till proper resolutions could be formed. That done, they came close up to one of the deepest, and ordered her to send the master on board quietly, threatening to give them no quarters if any resistance or signal of distress was made. The Portuguese, being surprised at these threats, and the sudden flourish of cutlasses from the pirates, submitted without a word, and the captain came on board. Robert saluted him after a friendly manner, telling him that they were gentlemen of fortune, but that their business with him was only to be informed which was the richest ship in that fleet, and, if he directed them right, he should be restored to his ship without molestation. Otherwise, he must expect immediate death. Whereupon this Portuguese master pointed to one of forty guns and a hundred and fifty men, a ship of greater force than the rover, but this no ways dismayed them. They mere Portuguese, they said, and so immediately steered away for him. When they came within hail, the master whom they had prisoner was ordered to ask, how Signor Capitaine did, and to invite him on board, for that he had a matter of consequence to impart to him, which being done, he returned for answer, that he would wait upon him presently, but by the bustle that immediately followed the pirates perceived they were discovered and that this was only a deceitful answer to gain time to put their ship in a posture of defence. So, without further delay, they poured in a broadside, boarded and grappled her. The dispute was short and warm, wherein many of the Portuguese fell and two only of the pirates. By this time the fleet was alarmed. Signals of top gallant sheets flying and guns fired to give notice to the men of war who rid still at an anchor, and made but scurvy haste out to their assistance, and if what the pirates themselves related be true, the commanders of those ships were blamable to the highest degree, and unworthy the title, or so much as the name of men, for Roberts, finding the prize to sail heavy, and yet resolving not to lose her, lay by for the headmost of them, which much outsailed the other, and prepared for battle, which was ignominiously declined, though of such superior force, for not daring to venture on the pirate alone, he tarried so long for his consort as gave them both time leisurely to make off. They found this ship exceeding rich, being laden chiefly with sugar, skins and tobacco, and in gold forty thousand moidos, beside chains and trinkets of considerable value, particularly a cross set with diamonds, designed for the king of Portugal, which they afterwards presented to the governor of Guiana, by whom they were obliged. Elated with this booty, they had nothing now to think of but some safe retreat, where they might give themselves up to all the pleasures that luxury and wantonness could bestow, and for the present pitched upon a place called the Devil's Islands, in the river of Suriname, on the coast of Guiana, where they arrived and found the civilest reception imaginable, not only from the governor and factory, but their wives, who exchanged wares, and drove a considerable trade with them. They seized in this river a sloop, and by her gained intelligence that a brigantine had also sailed in company with her, from Rhode Island, laden with provisions for the coast. A welcome cargo! They growing short in the sea store, and, as Sancho says, no adventures to be made without belly timber, one evening as they were rummaging, their mine of treasure, the Portuguese prize, this expected vessel was descried at masthead, and Roberts, imagining nobody could do the business so well as himself, takes forty men in the sloop and goes in pursuit of her. But a fatal accident followed this rash, though inconsiderable, adventure, for Roberts, thinking of nothing less than bringing in the brigantine that afternoon, never troubled his head about the sloop's provision, nor inquired what there was on board to subsist such a number of men but out he sails after his expected prize which he not only lost further sight of but after eight days contending with contrary winds and currents found themselves thirty leagues to leeward the current still opposing their endeavours and perceiving no hopes of beating up to their ship they came to an anchor and inconsiderately sent away the boat to give the rest of the company notice of their condition and to order the ship to them. But, too soon, even the next day, their wants made them sensible of their infatuation, for their water was all expended, and they had taken no thought how they should be supplied, till either the ship came or the boat returned, which was not likely to be under five or six days. Here, like Tantalus, they almost famished in sight of the fresh streams and lakes. Being drove to such extremity at last, that they were forced to tear up the floor of the cabin and patch up a sort of tub or tray with rope-yarns to paddle ashore and fetch off immediate supplies of water to preserve life after some days the long-wished-for boat came back but with the most unwelcome news in the world for kennedy who was lieutenant and left in absence of roberts to command the privateer and prize was gone off with both this was mortification with a vengeance "'and you may imagine they did not depart without some hard speeches "'from those that were left and had suffered by their treachery. "'And that there need be no further mention of this Kennedy, "'I shall leave Captain Roberts for a page or two with the remains of his crew "'to vent their wrath in a few oaths and execrations, "'and follow the other, whom we may reckon from that time steering his course towards Execution Dock.' "'Kennedy was now chosen captain of the revolted crew,' but could not bring his company to any determined resolution. Some of them were for pursuing the old game, but the greater part of them seemed to have inclinations to turn from those evil courses and get home privately, for there was no act of pardon in force. Therefore they agreed to break up, and every man to shift for himself, as he should see occasion. The first thing they did was to part with the great Portuguese prize, and having the master of the sloop, whose name I think was Cain, aboard, who they said was a very honest fellow, for he had honoured them upon every occasion, told them of the brigantine that Roberts went after, and when the pirates first took him, he complimented them at an odd rate, telling them they were welcome to his sloop and cargo, and wished that the vessel had been larger, and the loading richer for their sakes. To this good-natured man they gave the Portuguese ship, which was then above half-loaded, three or four negroes, and all his own men, "'who returned thanks to his kind benefactors, and departed. "'Captain Kennedy, in the rover, sailed to Barbados, "'near which island they took a very peaceable ship belonging to Virginia. "'The commander was a Quaker, whose name was Knott. "'He had neither pistol, sword, nor cutlass on board. "'And Mr. Not, appearing so very passive to all they said to him, "'some of them thought this a good opportunity to go off, "'and accordingly eight of the pirates went aboard, "'and he carried them safe to Virginia.' They made the Quaker a present of ten chests of sugar, ten rolls of Brazil tobacco, thirty moedos, and some gold dust, in all to the value of about two hundred and fifty pounds. They also made presents to the sailors, some more, some less, and lived a jovial life all the while they were upon their voyage, Captain Nott giving them their way, nor indeed could he help himself, unless he had taken an opportunity to surprise them when they were either drunk or asleep. For awake they wore arms aboard the ship, and put him in a continual terror, it not being his principle, or the sex, to fight, unless with art and collusion. He managed these weapons well, till he arrived at the capes, and afterwards four of the pirates went off in a boat, which they had taken with them for the more easily making their escapes, and made up the bay towards Maryland, but were forced back by a storm into an obscure place of the country, where, meeting with good entertainment among the planters, they continued several days without being discovered to be pirates. In the meantime, Captain Knott, leaving four others on board his ship, who intended to go to North Carolina, made what haste he could to discover to Mr. Spotswood, the governor, what sort of passengers he had been forced to bring with him, who by good fortune got them seized. And search being made after the others who were reveling about the country, they were also taken, and all tried, convicted, and hanged, two portuguese jews who were taken on the coast of brazil and whom they brought with them to virginia being the principal evidences the latter had found means to lodge part of their wealth with the planters who never brought it to account but captain Nott surrendered up every thing that belonged to them that were taken aboard even what they presented to him in lieu of such things as they had plundered him of in their passage and obliged his men to do the like some days after the taking of the Virginia, man last mentioned, in cruising in the latitude of Jamaica, Kennedy took a sloop bound thither from Boston, loaded with bread and flour. Aboard of this sloop went all the hands who were for breaking the gang, and left those behind that had a mind to pursue further adventures. Among the former were Kennedy, their captain. Of whole honour they had such a despicable notion that they were about to throw him overboard, when they found him in the sloop as fearing he might betray them all at their return to england he having in his childhood been bred a pickpocket and before he became a pirate a housebreaker both professions that these gentlemen have a very mean opinion of however captain kennedy by taking solemn oaths of fidelity to his companions was suffered to proceed with them in this company there was but one that pretended to any skill in navigation for kennedy could neither write nor read he being preferred to the command merely for his courage which indeed he had often signalised particularly in taking the portuguese ship and he proved to be a pretender only for shaping their course to ireland where they agreed to land they ran away to the northwest coast of scotland and there were tossed about by hard storms of wind for several days without knowing where they were and in great danger of perishing at length They pushed the vessel into a little creek, and went all ashore, leaving the sloop at an anchor for the next comers. The whole company refreshed themselves at a little village, about five miles from the place where they left the sloop, and passed there for shipwrecked sailors, and no doubt might have travelled on without suspicion, but the mad and righteous manner of their living on the road occasioned their journey to be cut short, as we shall observe presently. Kennedy and another left them here, and travelling to one of the seaports shipped themselves for Ireland, and arrived there in safety. Six or seven wisely withdrew from the rest, travelled at their leisure, and got to their much desired port of London without being disturbed or suspected. But the main gang alarmed the country wherever they came, drinking and roaring at such a rate that the people shut themselves up in their houses in some places, not daring to venture out among so many mad fellows. In other villages, they treated the whole town, squandering their money away, as if, like Aesop, they wanted to lighten their burdens. This expensive manner of living procured two of their drunken stragglers to be knocked on the head, they being found murdered in the road, and their money taken from them. All the rest, to the number of seventeen as they drew nigh to Edinburgh, were arrested and thrown into jail, upon suspicion of they knew not what. However, The magistrates were not long at a loss for proper accusations, for two of the gang offering themselves for evidences were accepted of, and the others were brought to a speedy trial, whereof nine were convicted and executed. Kennedy, having spent all his money, came over from Ireland, and kept a common bawdy house on Detford Road, and, now and then, twas thought, made an excursion abroad in the way of his former profession, till one of his household wenches gave information against him for a robbery for which he was committed to bridewell but because she would not do the business by halves she found out a mate of a ship that kennedy had committed piracy upon as he foolishly confessed to her this mate whose name was grant paid kennedy a visit in bridewell and knowing him to be the man procured a warrant and had him committed to the marshalsea prison the game that kennedy had now to play was to turn evidence himself accordingly he gave a list of eight or ten of his comrades but not being acquainted with their habitations one only was taken who though condemned appeared to be a man of a fair character was forced into their service and took the first opportunity to get from them and therefore received a pardon but walter kennedy being a notorious offender was executed the nineteenth of july seventeen twenty one at execution dock the rest of the pirates who were left in the ship rover "'stayed not long behind, "'for they went ashore to one of the West India Islands. "'What became of them afterwards, I can't tell, "'but the ship was found at sea by a sloop belonging to St. Christopher's, "'and carried into that island with only nine negroes aboard. "'Thus we see what a disastrous fate ever attends the wicked, "'and how rarely they escape the punishment due to their crimes, "'who, abandoned to such a profligate life, "'rob, spoil, and prey upon mankind, "'contrary to the light and law of nature "'as well as the law of God. "'It might have been hoped "'that the examples of these deaths "'would have been as marks to the remainder of this gang "'how to shun the rocks their companions had split on, "'that they would have surrendered to mercy "'or divided themselves forever from such pursuits, "'as in the end they might be sure "'would subject them to the same law and punishment "'which they must be conscious they now equally deserved. "'Impending law,' Which never let them sleep well unless when drunk. But all the use that was made of it here was to commend the justice of the court that condemned Kennedy, for he was a sad dog, they said, and deserved the fate he met with. End of chapter nine, part three, read by Kate Mackenzie.